All right, well, listen, good morning, guys, and uh, man, welcome. Uh, we got a brand new series that we're starting today, and really the message today uh, is the message that you've been waiting on. Uh, this is the message when I see you at the grocery store or see you at the ballpark. It's like, hey, uh, when are we going to talk about this? Like, I'm so ready. I've been inviting people to come. In fact, maybe if you, if you invited someone today, uh, it was perfect day to invite somebody. Maybe you've got family sitting with you. Uh, if there's anything you want to talk about in church, it's going to happen today. This is the message. The title is God and Money. Just what you want to hear about at church. Yeah, God and money. Uh, you feel the tension, right? Uh, you know, there's something about uh, talking about God and money that gets us unnerved. It leaves us feeling a little uneasy. And I started trying to figure out why, because I, it's, it's kind of a unique perspective. I didn't always, I wasn't always on this end of the message. I spent my first few years out of school just in sales. My wife was a teacher, and we went to church, and we had to endure messages about God and money. And it always, there was always a feeling of uneasiness when you begin to talk about this. So, so why? What is it? Well, I, I think one reason, uh, maybe there's a lack of trust. I mean, who doesn't know someone in ministry, some preacher somewhere, some deacon, that instead of giving to the offering, they were taking, right? So it begins to, it leaves you a little unnerved, right? Can I, can I really trust it? Uh, maybe it's that you feel like there's a lack of transparency sometimes, right? Like if I knew everything about my money and where it was going, and, or, or maybe I start thinking about the transparency thing because I think it kind of goes both ways, like sometimes we wonder what we're giving to. Other times, you know, you hear, you hear communicators say, well, let's look at your checkbook. Are you willing to be transparent? And sometimes you don't really want to be because, you know, maybe there's something there that you don't want to talk about. Uh, but why is it that it's so difficult? Is it that it's just too personal? Now, you know, I thought about that one too because some things, you know this, are like off limits. You know, at Thanksgiving coming up, you're probably not going to bring up politics and you probably won't talk about money. It's just not the right place. So is it that? Maybe it's too personal. Well, I, this was interesting because Kyle said this last week, and I thought it was so powerful. He said, I want to be the church. I want to be the church that does what Jesus did. And he was talking about invitations when he, when he gave that point. He, we were talking about the fact that um, Jesus was always accused of eating with sinners and, and being with people that were far from God. And he said, I want that to be our church. We're going to do what Jesus did. Here's the bad news about that. Jesus spent 15% of his time teaching on the relationship between, you guessed it, God and money. Because here's the bottom line. You ready? How you view God has a lot to do with how you view money. How you view money has a lot to do with how you view God. You see, they're connected. Now, let's get in, this, let's get in the scripture so that we can kind of cut the tension a little bit and uh, begin to get there. We're gonna be in Luke 12. You'll see the verses. You can jump up on your app and follow me if you want, or it'll be on the screen. Uh, but one of the things we always try to give you is a little bit of context for what we're talking about, okay? Uh, when we get into Luke 12. Now, one of the things that's unique, I don't know if you're gonna be able to see it, but in my Bible, Luke 12 is written in red. So you got it, right? If it's written in red, these are Jesus's words. So it's a little bit unique that today we're not only going to be in the Gospels, which are about Jesus, but we're going to read specifically his words to us. Uh, one of the things I love to, to kind of begin to look at when I look at Scripture is a little bit of context, too. And so we're going to be in verse 22. Now, this is interesting. In verse 13, just above where we are today, the subtitle for that section is called The Parable of the Rich Fool. All right? Now, the verse we start out with says, then Jesus said to his disciples. 
So in verse 13, he was talking to those that were affluent, the rich fool. In verse 22, he's talking to his disciples. One of the things we know about his disciples, they were known for a lot, maybe not for their affluence. So here's my point. If you're here today, man, and men, you've just been blessed financially, okay? Awesome. If you're here today, man, you're just struggling when it comes to finances. Maybe it's been a struggle for you. The idea is it doesn't matter how much or how little you have. Either way, money has had an effect on you. And this message is really more of a heart message. And, and, and what you're going to see in this is a tone. I love this. When you begin to look at the tone of the message, so often when you hear a communicator, particularly a preacher, talk about money, there's a, there's a tone of a sergeant. Where he's kind of drilling you. He's going to you know, use a little emotionalism or use a little shame, use a little guilt, you know. Or maybe it's a tone of sarcasm. That's, that's where my message started out today, it was sarcasm. But Jesus, when he's given this, uh, verse 22, there's a, there's a tone of just a shepherd. There's really a tone of, of almost a surgeon. And what he's trying to do is the same thing we're going to do today. We're just talking about the condition of our heart. Now, I'm going to go ahead and warn you, uh, the good news for you is, I probably shouldn't tell you this because you might not come back next week, but next week's about giving, and we're going to be a little more specific. Jeff's going to lead that message. But this week is about the condition of your heart. So before you can even go to giving, we've got to start with our heart. So here we go. Join me. We're going to be in Luke 12, 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food. Now, I could stop right there. <laughs> I struggle with that. I, I mean, just this week, we were headed to a soccer game, and I must have said I needed something to eat five times before we were a mile down the road, and Katie was, Katie was at the point where she was pointing out subways. Like, can we please just stop and get you something to eat so you'll quit talking about food, okay? Men, we get hangry. Um, life is more than food. The body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap, yet they have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? That just hurts to even read. Uh, since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about your rest? Why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Okay, I'm guilty of that. Do not worry about it. For the pagan's world runs after such things. And your father knows that you need them, but seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. Now, here's the tone. Watch, you ready? Do not be afraid, little flock. It's not sarcasm. It's not mad. It's just a shepherd. For your father's been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroy. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, here, I, I want to be honest with you. Uh, when I read this, it was funny. I, the first thing that came to me, I started wondering, was, was Jesus kind of a hippie? Do y'all... If you sense that, yeah, he's talking about the, the birds and the air and the lilies and the grass. And it just, I mean, it just kind of, but what he's trying to do right there is, is Jesus is asking us to begin to step back a little bit. And this happens to me. I, I'll get wrapped up and worried about something. I'll get all caught up in a situation. 
And then something will happen. Either, you know, you, you go to the mountains and, and the cool air, your perspective changes. You go to the beach and you, you hear the water and you, and you see God's creation. For me, just the rhythm of life that we're in right now, it's, it's Tatum Park. I'm at Tatum Park three nights a week for soccer. And no matter what the schedule's been like, no matter how bad the traffic was getting out there, no matter how much homework needed to get done, no matter how hungry we were, all of a sudden there's a sunset that hits those fields. And for just a minute, my eyes will kind of lift up off of the situation of the day. And, it, it, and Jesus is trying to do that to us. He's, he's, he's saying the subtitle, remember, was do not worry. And then he begins to take us back. He's saying, I want you to go with me back to creation. Because you remember the story of creation? Like seven days, God created it all and he included a day of rest. I mean, God is the God of abundance. Remember, he created the, everything that we enjoy. Everything that man's done with this began with God's creation. He is the host. He is the one that created you and me. It was him in the beginning. He created the stars. He created such a creative God. He created you and me. He formed us up. This is the God that we serve. But what happens to us is we get caught up in moments and in worry and in fear and when trying to get control that we lose sight of the creator who is powerful enough to create everything that we enjoy. But yet, we can't give over our worries and fears and concerns. It's, it's uh, this season of life, the best uh, illustration for me, again, and I'm sorry, I talk a lot about food, but it's tailgating. And I love a good tailgate. There's something special about being able to walk up to that tailgate and there'll be like little Dewey's or there'll be Strick's barbecue. And there's bottled Cokes and there's desserts and there's chicken tenders. There's all the things that I love. And on the way to the tailgate, I can pick up as many people as I want to because the host of the tailgate is a host who is so good at hospitality. It's the, it's the people that you know in your life that you can show up last minute with your whole family and they'll have a meal for you. You don't know how they do it. They just pull it together. Uh, we've got a friend like that. We can just show up anytime and there's like, hey, we can eat. They've got it. Your house church is probably like that. Someone that helps with that, they just have food. And it's the picture of the host of the tailgate that is able to meet your needs, they predict when you almost need a refill, right? They're watching your plate. They're handing out napkins. They pull out food from under the table. You had no idea was there. And you just begin to relax. You don't even worry about your plate. You don't worry about your kid's plate. You don't worry about the person you brought. Why? Because that host has an extra ticket. That host has more food than you could go through. Listen, that's the God that we serve. He, he knows your needs, and he's so capable of meeting every need you have. Think back to creation. It's abundance. Now, here's the tension, because you're no different than me. Sometimes you don't feel that. I mean, the concerns, the, the family member that's in the hospital that's still not better. A little mom was here at 930 who just got out of the hospital with her, her twins, RSV. She was like, Craig, I, I, man, my worry about my kids, it's, it's been the first thing on my mind. Of course, you would speak about not worrying today. Uh, the, you know, the bills that just keep coming. It's like, Craig, I understand a God of creation, the beautiful mountains, the seas, all these things, but my mind is worried about the bill that's got to be paid today, and I just don't know how it's going to happen. The addiction that keeps coming, the depression that won't just lift, the concerns of our kids. Why can't I enjoy God's abundance and his love and his grace and his gifts? The reason you and I can't enjoy these things sometimes is the same reason Adam and Eve struggled to enjoy these things. You ready? Genesis 3, uh, we're going to start with verse 1. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, 
You must not eat from any tree in the garden. Did you see what that was? It was doubt. Do you think God really sees you in this hospital room with your two kids? Do, do you think even though you're from a family, generation of addiction, what makes you think God's going to heal you? You ever, ever kind of wondered a little bit of that doubt? You really think your marriage can recover from the patterns that you've put in place? Isn't it just too far gone now? He'll never change. Sounds like the enemy. Well, it doesn't stop there, verse 4. So if he doesn't get you with doubt, you ready? This is the enemy speaking to Eve. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. Oh, so maybe I can't trust God. Ever battled with that? Man, I want to give him my kids. Man, I really do. I want to turn over that worry. I want to give him my marriage. I want to believe one day I'll be healed, but I just don't know if I can let go. Can I really trust God? See, these are, these are two different passages, and it's amazing the difference. Now, this one really hurts. I don't even like reading this one. Verse 7, then the eyes of both of them were open, Adam and Eve, and they realized they were both naked. So they sewed fig leaves together, and they made some coverings for themselves. What was it? Well, it was shame. It was shame. So in one picture, we have Jesus talking in Luke 12. And Jesus is asking us to begin to lift up our eyes to begin to see creation, to see his abundant love, to see and understand his grace and his creativity, that he will supply every one of your needs. We have a God of abundance. And then we have Genesis 3. And we have a God of scarcity. Can we really trust him? He begins to give us doubts. We begin to be full of shame. Yeah. God of abundance, a God of scarcity. Now, here's reality, okay? Let me just be honest with you. I think I, unfortunately, uh, live too often in the area of scarcity. And let me give you an example so you'll know, uh, just to kind of put it all out there. I hope this doesn't change your opinion of me. Uh, but my family and I went to uh, D.C. for fall break. And we had a great trip, man. We, we saw it all. You know, my kids are at the perfect age. They were learning and taking it all in. They're nerds. I'm not. I was bored. They were loving it. And, but we had a great time, and, and we enjoyed it. I just love seeing them learn. And, and w but we got on the bus one day because I was, I was Ubered out. Like, I had no money left for Uber. So public transportation, that might have been my first mistake, but here we go. So uh, in D.C., downtown, and we got on the bus. And as soon as we got on the bus, there were about 10 other people on the bus. It was early on a, uh, uh, whatever morning it was, weekday morning. And I had a glass of tea. And I'd fix this at the hotel. And it was, it was, I mean, it was my tea. It was the perfect tea. I'm kind of into it. Like put a little bit of milk, put a little bit of sugar, put a little bit of honey. And I was just enjoying it sitting on the public transportation bus. When a lady gets on the bus who had, uh, I would say it's fair to say, had had a, uh, just some rough breaks in life. And she sat a few rows behind me and she began to cough. Now, public transportation or anywhere now, you know, your first reaction is we got a hot one over there, right? COVID has got on the bus. And so we were all a little nervous for that, especially the lady right in front of her that was like just in hiding of the lady right behind her. But finally, the lady that got on the bus got out in the midst of her coughing. She said, does anybody have any water? Just like that. And I, I kind of looked at my kids and I had a little backpack, but I didn't have any water. I even looked at my tea, which was, as you know, like perfect for someone who is struggling with this. And I said, nope, nope, no water. <laughs> she does it again. I mean, she's still coughing. She's, you know, up, uh, 10 feet over here. 
does anybody have any water? Barely gets it out. And this time she looks at me and she looks down at my tea. <laughs> True story. But can I just tell you the scarcity mindset in me? I didn't want to give up my tea. Here, here's what really is going to blow your mind. You ready? You know how much I paid for my tea? Nothing. You know how many of these teas I could have? As many as I want. They were given away for free at the hotel. But I didn't want to give it away because it was mine. And I was scared if I gave it away, I didn't know if I could go back and get more. Here, here's what I'm getting at. You ready? My need to save my tea kept me from being able to bless somebody else. That's a scarcity mindset. So here's what I'm, I'm tired of talking about me, right? So let's talk about you. <laughs> right? What's your earliest memory of money? Think about that with me. Where do you go? When money comes out, where do you go? I go to save. That's what I think about. We need to save it. Scarcity. That's why I had a hard time giving up my tea. Now, I'll just say this. I didn't say it at 930, but nobody listened until I said it. I did give my tea away after she shamed me and my kids were watching me. I did give it away. But what, what's your, what, what comes to mind for you? Is it save, like me? Is it uh, guilt? Got a little guilt because you have some money? It's kind of hard to accept. Is it generosity? That would be beautiful. Generosity was modeled to me. I mean, it should be something that comes natural for me. Uh, is, it, is it spend? Your first thing you want to do is spend. If it's spend, here's one way you know it's spend, is when you, when you, when you spend, you find more value. You go, no, not me. Well, unfortunately, I qualify for this one too because I just got me some new jeans. Every time, I feel like a new person in these jeans. It's not the same Craig. Like, these jeans fit so good, and it's like I'm, I quit looking at my jeans, but I just feel different in them. I just feel different. What about a car? How do you feel when you get behind the wheel of a new car? Do, do you even know the person that drove the old car? How do you feel when you get behind the wheel of your son or your daughter's car that's a hoopty? Hopefully, your son or daughter has a hoopty. Here's what happens, right? You, you don't want to be caught behind that wheel because maybe your value is associated with your money. You go, no, not me. Well, let me read you these statements because, I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling here. Let me read these to you and see if these hit you uh, maybe in a unique way. Okay, having more money doesn't make me more of a man. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Having more money doesn't make me more beautiful. You say, well, but you sure could get some surgeries with that money in. Well, you know, but listen, listen, I, last week I got to talk to our students and we talked about how they are a masterpiece in Christ, how they're made uniquely, how their value and their worth is in how God knit them together. Okay. M having more money doesn't make me more safe. Wait a minute. I could put a big old gate out there. Got to have an airbag on every, every, does it really make you more safe? Now, this one's going to hurt all of us. You ready? I wish this weren't true. Having more money doesn't make me more in control. See, I think, 
and this is just me, I think Jesus taught so much about the relationship between God and money because he knew that the number one idol in your life and in my life will most likely be tempted to be money. But when we begin to break it down, everything we're wanting to find from money, safety, control, beauty, then we're not going to find it. Instead, it's rooted in a relationship with Christ. So how you view money says a lot about how you view God. So help me here. What, what does it even look like to have the correct view of money? Well, it looks like the early church. Do you remember that when we studied the book of Acts? What did it say about the early church? There's, there's a word that we use to describe the early church. We say they were attractive. What made the early church so attractive? It was because they shared what they had with people that were in need and people were drawn to it. They sold what they had to meet other people's needs. They held on loosely to what they had. That's the way that they started the first hospitals and the first orphanages. Man, that's such an attractive piece of the gospel and they got it right. Here's some other things that happen. When you have the right view of God and you have the right view of money, the first thing you're able to do, and this is so powerful, I, I want to be this person, you're able to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. There's a passage in Romans that talks about doing that. Can, can I tell you something? If you don't have the right view of God and money, you can't do that. If so-and-so walks down in here in a brand new dress that you know she paid and that was your dress and you wanted that dress and if you had the money, you would get to enjoy that dress, you don't say, you look beautiful in that dress. You say, I'd take her out to get that dress. So-and-so gets the new job, and then you're so excited for them. No, you're jealous for them because that was your job. So-and-so gets the date. Man, that was my date. So-and-so gets the bonus. They get the neighborhood. They get the school. If you don't have the right view of God and money, you can't enjoy those things with other people. Here's the text that we're looking at today. Oh, you of little faith. Seek first his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Listen, if you live in that, and I'm not telling you I do, but if you live in that, then you're able to celebrate with other people because you know the God of abundance, the God of creation, he sees you, and he's got you, and he's going to provide for you. And so when you see him doing it for other people, you're able to rejoice with them. You're able to enjoy it. You're able to truly, with a sincere heart, be like, I love the way God's providing for you. I can't do that sometimes. I, I want to be that person. I, the second thing that happens when you have the right view of God and money, you invest in what last. Now, th this one's hard too because I'm realizing as I get older, so is everything I have. My, my, uh, my uh, Apple phone, was an, uh, it was an eight. And then I stepped up and I, I thought, man, I've, I've achieved it. I got an 11. Now it's old. My car, I had a 13, 2013, and I loved it until I got an 18, until I rode in someone's new 23. What's happening? I can't keep up. You can't keep up. And when you live for those things, you're just disappointed. Now this one, this is crushing, but this is true. Everything you have is gonna land in one of two places. The dump, or somebody's garage sale. Now that's discouraging if that's what you're living for. And that's discouraging for me because I've spent money on things. And, and here's, the, here's the rub, you ready? Jesus says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. 
provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moths destroy. He's saying, this is the picture of what I want you to live for. Feel the tension between everything you buy and earn on this earth that you think you're so proud of and your cars and your possessions, they're gonna burn. But instead, when you invest in these kingdom causes, What's one takeaway for me today? When you invest in what lasts, man, you're gonna have treasures in heaven. That's where I want you. That's what I want you to deal with that tension because that's where we wanna be. You ready? Let's go ahead and say it. You know we were gonna say it. I was blessed to be a blessing. Yeah, it's like wonderful cross-stitch language. Really hard to live that life. I, I mean, I couldn't give up my tea. I'm coming to you at a place of weakness. This is who I want to be. I'm not there yet, but I'm hoping to open your eyes and create a little bit of tension to help you. See, God's not after your money. He's after your heart. But money and God are after the same thing. It's your heart, and they're magnets just pulling, constantly pulling. Here's the, here's the third one. I love this one. This is the last one. Uh, when, when you have the right view of God and money, uh, you become an intentional kingdom giver. Here, now, here's, here's, I did a little studying on this, and I thought this was really cool. I, I learned this from a guy named Matt Carter. He's a pastor in, in Houston, Texas, and he talks, about, he talks about Old Testament theology of giving. And, and you know these verses when you begin to study Malachi, right? You remember the verse that says, test me and see. You know, it talks about the tithe of 10%. And there's a principle in that that says, if you will give, then I will bless you. Okay, that's the Old Testament principle of, of giving, right? You give... I bless. He says, the New Testament, this is so cool. The New Testament is different. He says, I've already given. I've given you Jesus. He laid down his life for you. He left heaven for you and he came for you. So you have already been given. Now in response to that gift, and now you give. Old Testament, give to get. New Testament, you've been given. Now you give. Here's the, here's the easiest way to see this, okay? Um, Katie and I started dating 25 years ago. And our first date was a really big deal because she was a big deal. Listen, you need to know this. She's, she's a soft, she was a sophomore in college and I was a freshman. And I, I, did, I had to do everything I could to get her. So we went to, we were in Starville, and so we went to Anthony's, right? The best restaurant in West Point. There's a lot of really good restaurants in West Point. And we went to West Point and we ate. Then we went in, uh, to Mossy Oak and we looked at all the animals and the deer. We spotlighted them for a little bit. Then we, then we went to the movies. And man, in the movies, I remember we went and saw Patch Adams, I think. And uh, the, my fraternity, uh, my younger brother in the fraternity interrupted the movie and came with roses and came with her favorite snack. And here's what was hitting me. I knew when he came with those snacks and I watched her emotions, I thought, I'm getting her. It's working. And I was going to keep going. I was going to keep working until I got her because I knew she would bless me, but I had to do enough on this end to get her. I was giving for what? To get her. Now, 25 years later, the tide has totally changed. It's totally switched. Now, when we go on a date, we go on a date because of what she's given me. 25 years, she's followed me. Eight different cities, six different jobs. She's given me my kids, most beautiful thing in the world to me. She's been such a great mother. She's loved God, and she's loved me, and she's loved others. 
So I'm no, I'm no longer dating her to get her. I already got her. But now I'm dating her and I'm appreciating her and I'm so in love with her because of what she's given. She's already done these things for me. She's lived this life. She's laid her life down. She's been patient. You see the difference? I was dating her to get her. Now I'm responding to her because of all she's given to me. Now you know where I'm going with that, right? Ephesians 3, and I'm going to begin to read to you, and I'm almost there. Ephesians 2, listen to what God has given you, and then think about how you and I should respond. You ready? But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, so there's one thing, he's given you mercy, made us alive. There's another thing he's given us. He's given us the chance to be alive with Christ even when we were dead in our sin. It is by grace. There's another thing he's given you. You have been saved. You've walked into a new inheritance. God raised us up with Christ and he seated us. All these things are things he's given us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Ready? Here's the verse. You know it. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this was not of yourself. You ready? It is the gift of God. That's why we give, because of the gift of God. We're not trying to earn anything. We're not trying to work for anything. We're just responding back to his goodness. Now, here's how I want to end today. This is a little bit different, and uh, 930 did a great job of this. They were up and moving before I could even finish the sentence, but uh, I want to take communion together. And, and let me explain this because I, here's why. If you're, if you're a follower of Christ, this is something God's asked us to do in remembrance of him. And so every time at the end of the experience, you have a chance to do this. But today we're going to do this as a church. And I just want you to come get the elements in just a minute. And then the campus pastor is going to come out at every campus. Ben's going to come out here. And he's going to lead us to take communion together all at the same time. But it's the way that we respond, okay? I want you to respond today with worship. I want you to respond today with doing the best you can at taking the worry, at taking the concern, at taking money off of the altar, off of right here first, the, right here. And I want you to allow God to sit in there for just a minute and respond back to him with worship. And then we're gonna respond by taking communion. So do this with me. Stand up at every campus. Go ahead and stand up. And at each campus, you can begin to walk. You can go ahead right now while I'm talking and find communion at Lincoln Road. We've got six different stations at every campus. You go get the elements, and then in a minute, we'll worship together. Thank you for joining us for the Venture Church Podcast. To find a campus near you, check out VentureChurch.org.